to the mic, they start dimming the lights, you start feeling alright. From Birmingham, home with the Teddy Longs and the Ruben Studders. More once you discover, for all of the lovers, Whitney Houston and Roman Reigns. For all of the lovers, Mickey James and Marvin Gaye. For all of the lovers, it's Sasha Banks, Janelle Monet, Silk, Sonic, and Paige. Allow me to say, love, I just found a place we'd escape. Every one of us, I was kinda late, cause I just made it off the struggle bus. Walking by the fake, cause I know it's right in front of us. Yo, I ain't with the hate, gotta focus on what's great. Ladies and gentlemen, Steph Hardy is on the air. Had to drop a couple bars just to make you all aware. So, sit back, relax, enjoy the show. You know I go by Joe or the wrestle. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of The Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy. This is the 70th episode of the podcast and I'm so excited to be sharing this with you. So in this episode I got your news and gossip-ish and I'm going to talk a little bit about CM Punk's glorious return to wrestling and I'm going to talk about all the things that I did and did not enjoy from wrestling this past weekend which was SummerSlam weekend. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this 70th episode of The Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Alright, so in this special episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast, I got this news and gossipish segment, and I'm going to talk about a lot of things that happened over the weekend. So yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world of wrestling, so we're just going to get right into it. So CM Punk came back, um, and I'm going to talk more about him in the next segment, but CM Punk came back um, to wrestling after seven years away, and he is now all elite. So, Friday, um, AEW Rampage came on, and they had a pretty cool show um, with the likes of Jay Cargill fighting um, Kiara Hogan, and um, their tag team tournament going on to see who's going to qualify to face the Young Bucks for the AEW Tag Team Championships. But the biggest thing that came out of AEW Rampage was how the show started, and it started in Chicago with everybody chanting CM Punk's name because there were rumors going about for the last three weeks or maybe even a whole month or so (laughs) that CM Punk was going to um, come to AEW. Now, this hadn't been confirmed. He didn't say anything, but he, the one thing that he did do on Instagram and on Twitter was post like um, dates of a cryptic nature that sort of gave off the intention of making people sort of you know start more rumblings but it was officially confirmed when his music hit which was cult of personality and he came out and the crowd in chicago lost their collective minds and i'm pretty sure a lot of people in their houses also lost their collective minds too because i was sitting here i was sitting watching it like he's really there like this is really happening like for real like it's crazy right and I just couldn't believe it. And it was just such a beautiful moment because you saw him, you know, sort of taking it in and everything. So it was just one of the coolest moments ever. So um, ESPN reported on it. They said after seven years away from the ring, Punk returned Friday night with AEW appearing on his television show Rampage. The promotion announced Punk, one of the most popular stars in pro wrestling through the 2010s, that he had signed with AEW on social media. And he also paid tribute to Michael Jordan and how he said he was returning to basketball after his um, first retirement stint and saying, I'm back. And I really feel like and then they pattern, they call this episode the first dance um, as opposed to, you know, calling it like ESPN's documentary, The Last Dance, which basically charted the rise um, of the Chicago Bulls team of the 90s with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Steve Kerr and all of them. So this is the first dance because you have CM Punk, who's also a Chicago, who's basically a Chicago born, Chicago bred, loved person. And this is his first dance with wrestling, you know, in like seven years. So it was a really creative way that they did that. So it was really cool. And so he talked about um, 
returning to pro wrestling in a post-event news conference that he had with Tony Khan. He said, sometimes you fall out of love with stuff. If you set something free and it comes back to you, it's true love. So in the midst of his um, amazing promo, which I'll probably, which I'll definitely talk more about in the next segment, um, he challenged Darby Allen, um, who was standing alongside Sting in the balcony of the United Center. He challenged Darby Allen on, on September 5th at AEW All Out in Chicago. And I think that's a cool present for me because that's the weekend of my birthday. And what better way to celebrate than to watch CM Punk, you know, wrestling a ring again against a younger star, which he does plan to work a whole lot with, you know, and that and he said that he said as much. Um, in his promo and it was just really good to see him because he like he was really happy he looked like he was in a better place um he didn't look angry like he just looked like he was happy so it was just a really happy moment you saw like a dude crying it was just a really good joyful moment in wrestling which you know which can can be few and far between sometimes you know depending on the situation but this situation was really really happy and i'm so happy that cm punk is back and i also speak on behalf of my boyfriend who is a huge cm punk fan we got together he really loved him because um cm punk really resonated with him personally so it was really nice to know you know that his return made so many people happy including me so it was great. Plus, it was cool to hear Cult of Personality again by Living Color, which is a black rock band. And that just makes me so happy. So, yeah, I'm just really glad. Um, he said that he had been talking to Tony Khan and the owner um, and owner and the owner of the of ja the Jacksonville Jaguars for like a year and a half. And he would have returned sooner if it were not for the pandemic. And he didn't go into details about his contract, but we know that it's basically for the long term and he would not be a part time performer. So he's planning on being there a whole lot. So this is going to be good. And I'm really excited for him. Also in the news, we have um, Adam Cole's future with NXT and basically WWE sort of hanging in the balance here there's a rumor that was reported after this weekend he performed at nxt takeover 36 in the undisputed finale with kyle o'reilly in a two out of three falls match and he lost that match to kyle o'reilly and after he lost and he was taking off of screen um mike johnson of pwi insider reported that um Adam Cole's run in NXT would be over after that. And additionally, Fightful Select reported that as of Sunday morning that sources indicated that the company hadn't reached an agreement with his contract. And while there have been pitches for Cole's move to the main roster, he still hasn't signed a new deal. And a lot of people have been predicting that he that it would be easier for him to go to AEW. Um, simply because it seemed like, you know, him and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega had like a friendship before they sort of separated and went their um, ways or whatever. And then there's also the idea that Britt Baker, his girlfriend, the AEW Women's Champion, is there as well. And they would be want to be closer to each other. But then again, relationships can work if you work in separate places. So you just never know. Um, so... As more details become available, you know, we'll talk about it more, but we just don't particularly know. I personally would like for Adam Cole to stay because I want to see him fight the people in the main roster because I feel like he has everything. He has the mic skills. He has the um, ability. Like, he's a great athlete. Like, he has everything. He has what it takes to be a main roster star. Um, but as we can see from this past weekend, Booking new people is kind of a WWE struggle bus um, place. So, yeah, I'll talk more about that later. Um, also, speaking of WWE's booking, Nikki Bella, um, WWE Hall of Famer, was talking after SummerSlam and to an interviewer and basically said that she was mad that Bianca Belair lost the SmackDown Women's Championship um, to a returning Becky Lynch in a squash match. Now, for those who did or did not watch SummerSlam this past weekend, I know I didn't because I was at the Belladonna show, but I saw everybody post about it online. And so for those who did or did not watch it, Bianca Belair was announced to face Sasha Banks um, for the SmackDown Women's title at SummerSlam for the second time in a rematch. But Sasha Banks disappeared for an unknown reason, but I'm hoping everything is okay and that it's not an injury or something like that. 
Um, so that was kind of up in the air. A lot of people didn't know if she was going to be able to show up or, or what was truly going on with her. And at first, Carmella came out and... You know, I think they did that to sort of rib the crowd up and make them mad because we've seen Bianca versus Carmella multiple times. Like, Bianca even beat Carmella at Rolling Loud, for God's sake, for the title. So it's just, I mean, how many times are we going to see that? So she came out, but then after she came out, Becky Lynch, you know, her music started and then she came out to a huge pop and everybody was excited to see her because she hasn't been in WWE for over a year due to her being on maternity leave with her baby Rue that she had with her husband, Seth Rollins. So she came back and challenged Bianca and hit her with some type of with with a slam and then ended the match in 20 seconds. And everybody was angry about that simply because of the fact that Bianca Belair had been booked to look so strong after she won the title um, in her historic match with Sasha at WrestleMania. And she had been on a winning streak ever since. So you can only... And then on Friday, she fought Carmella and Zelina Vega and beat them both. So you can only imagine our surprise when we see Becky Lynch come back, you know, and have a triumphant return. But not only do that, but beat Bianca who was the EST in a squash match that just made no sense so um at the SummerSlam after party um Nikki Bella explained that the decision with booking didn't sit right with her she said and I quote I could tell you what my favorite what wasn't my favorite moment and it was when she pointing to Bianca Belair lost it definitely was not my favorite moment and I don't know if I actually had a favorite moment because I always back the women and I'm always for the women. And you have someone like Bianca, who is such an incredible talent, and you can't help but get frustrated when you see moments like that for a championship that meant so much and was lost within seconds. So I have to admit, for this SummerSlam, there truly wasn't anything that was my favorite. So it's just really, it was a lot of, it left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouth. Um, there were a lot of people on social media who were very angry about it, who were raising all kinds of saying about it and everything. And I'm going to talk more about it later, but no one's happy with this decision at all. So it's a lot. Um, also in the news, John Cena, um, took to Twitter to talk about, you know, his journey away from WWE for now, since after his SummerSlam loss to Roman Reigns, um, for the universal title, um, they challenged each other and Roman Reigns even made the challenge by up and upping the ante by saying that if he lost that he would leave WWE. And this match was actually pretty stellar and really good. But Roman Reigns came out the victor. And now John Cena is sort of, you know, going away. And he released a tweet Monday saying, words cannot describe how appreciative I am that the WWE Universe allowed me the opportunity to return and perform. Thank you, staff, superstars, and most of all, fans, for giving me an unforgettable summer at home with my family. The journey takes me away now, but I'll see you soon. So now he's sort of gone. And one can assume that he's probably gone to film more movies, you know, promote more movies, because he has a movie coming out with um, Lil Rel Howery and Yvonne Orji on Hulu. And then he has um, to start filming for the Peacemaker series, which is going to be a spinoff of the Suicide Squad movie that came out that he was in. So he has he's pretty, you know, booked and busy with his movie career. And that's a good thing. But I'm pretty sure once he comes back, you know, he'll be welcomed with open arms. Um, and it's pretty clear that he still has the passion for wrestling and he can still very much, you know, go in the ring. Um, so yeah, um, that was a good, that was a good send off for him. And I wish him nothing but the best in his Hollywood stuff. Also in the news, we have, um, NWA releasing a statement on, um, NWA's all female pay-per-view called Empower which is going to be on Fight TV. So please stream that um, this Saturday. And they announced that um, since Mickey James is the executive producer, um, she has not only been booking amazing talent um, like Maserati Lazarus and so many other amazing women who are going to be working that show, but she has great women working behind the scenes with her as well. And they announced that Medusa, Jazz, and Gail Kim 
are going to be working behind the scenes with her. And I think this is amazing because this sort of speaks to a lot of complaints that people have within the wrestling business, how there should be more women working behind the scenes and sort of pushing and booking these matches and sort of writing the stories for women. And so I feel like this is an amazing start because Mickey did sort of speak to this in um, the women's wrestling talk interview that she had with um, my boss lady, TK Trinidad and Ella Jackson, that she would, you know, want more women sort of working in the background for these women events and for women's matches as a whole. So I think that's really great. And I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what they produce and what they come up with with this um empower pay-per-view and also i'm really glad to say that i will um be a part of it because i'll actually be there in st louis for it and for nwa 73 so it's gonna be really cool and finally in the news we don't know where sasha banks is at we don't want to know where in the world is the goat where is she at um nobody knows where she is so um, per PWI Insider, um, she was ten. Sasha Banks was scheduled to return for Friday's Go Home episode of SmackDown, but wasn't available. Um, and it forced the creative team to rewrite portions of the show. And the and no one knows the reason for her continued absence. But PWI PW Insider also reported that it's not an injury issue. So if it's not an injury issue, I'm wondering if it's a private mental health issue or if it's something that has to do with her burgeoning acting career. I don't know, but I really hope, you know, that she will be back because I was looking forward to seeing her and her rematch with Bianca Belair because, of course, their match at WrestleMania was historic, seeing as they were the first two black women to ever main event at WrestleMania. And I was looking forward to seeing them face off again, but I'm just hoping that Sasha Banks is okay and that nothing, you know, bad or negative is going on with her in her life. Um, and yeah, I'm just hoping everything's okay because it has to be pretty major for her to be gone and then for them to insert Becky Lynch, who was reportedly turning heel now, to come in and then beat Bianca the way she beat Bianca and set the internet on fire and made everybody mad. So yeah, here's hoping that Sasha Banks is okay. And that's it for your news and gossipish. And now we're going to go into my special segment on CM Punk. All right, so I wanted to take this time to do a special segment on one of the most important moments that took place last Friday in wrestling history. And like oh my god <laughs> we are living in a world in which cm punk aka phil brooks aka the voice of the voiceless aka a paul Heyman guy aka a really hot dude came back to wrestling like how are we living how is this 2021 and it's been seven years and he came back to wrestling and I'm just going to talk about, you know, my experience with CM Punk as a wrestling fan up until this point. But if you may or may not know, CM Punk returned to wrestling via AEW last um, Friday on AEW Rampage, the one hour show that AEW has um, on TNT. Um, if you haven't watched this promo and this entire segment, please check it out because I recommend it. if you are a wrestling fan. And if you're looking for some of the greatest moments that have ever taken place in wrestling, this is definitely one of them. Like, seriously. Um, so there have been rumors of CM Punk and also Daniel Bryan possibly showing up on AEW. But no one actually knew because this was being reported on by so many different news outlets in wrestling. And no one truly knew. And they were keeping it keep, keeping themselves quiet on social media cm punk really didn't say that much about it the one thing that he did say though is that he posted a picture showing important years in his life in terms of wrestling it showed the first the first one i believe was 2005 which was when he left ring of honor i think the other one represented his summer of punk which started um around 2011 um around the time he hit the pipe bomb and everybody you know was really interested in what he was saying around that time and then it said 21 which stands for this year and a lot of people were like okay this is cryptic what does this mean you know 
but uh, you know around this time it's just well around now it's just like ever since cm punk left wrestling nobody ever thought he would actually come back so he could have been talking about like an outside project because he was also very active in terms of him being an actor in different movies and stuff and then you know he's also pretty active in the comic book world too so you just never know with him right but in chicago last week on the aw rampage show that they titled the first dance which was patterned after the last dance in terms of the chicago bulls and their iconic run towards championships at that time and to pay tribute to the last dance documentary as well um you had people chanting um cm punk cm punk cm punk and nobody knew what was going on right so the show starts and then all of a sudden you hear and you hear cult of personality starts and everyone starts screaming and yelling and all of the above and out comes philip <laughs> out comes philip and you're and he's right there and everybody's li- literally losing their entire minds because he walked out there in his signature hoodie with his dog on the back um and um some black jeans and some shoes that looked like vans and he walked out there and just embraced the idea that everybody was crunk to see him and happy to see him and this is Chicago and it's just like him in Chicago is almost on a level of JR said that it was pretty Jordan-esque and that's true like CM Punk is basically God in Chicago and when it comes to wrestling fans like I feel like if he decided to run for mayor of Chicago Miss Lor- Mayor Lori Lightfoot would be out of a job because people love him so much and he came out there and he embraced it and he breathed it in and you can tell he was very emotional about it like he was on the verge of tears a couple times and then there was even one fan who was on the verge of tears as well or basically was crying and they put the camera on him and he was like he was just so happy and I felt him because I've had moments like that so many times in wrestling you know I've pretty much talked about that ad nauseum so I won't go into that but I know how he felt and then he was jumping amongst the crowd and he was being so happy and everything and it was just a really beautiful moment because CM Punk brought a lot of joy to a lot of fans and when a lot of people and then when he left the wwe it left the wrestling fandom feeling a little bit like there's a like a huge spot that's empty and he actually addressed that in his promo like when he got in the ring and started talking um he said that he felt special you know and that the crowd made him feel like Britt baker in pittsburgh because of course you gotta put Britt Baker over and stuff I mean which made me happy because men can put over women's wrestling like it can happen do it more often but he said that you know if over the course of the last seven years any decision that I made you know disappointed you you know it was almost like he was trying to apologize for it but at the same time he was also saying that um he was glad that the fans understood that he couldn't get better in the place that made him sick in the first place and he was talking about wwe you know he was addressing wwe um without really saying their names and i thought that was a very um clever way of doing it and then he also did it again by talking about how on august 13th 2005 you know he left ring of honor and he considers that the day he left professional wrestling um and went to sports entertainment in terms of wwe and his journey in wwe was a pretty it was pretty good but then it ended off really bad but then again it sort of started off on a sour note as well because cm punk came from the independence and around the time he he went to the he came from the independence in terms of ring of honor and stuff um mainstream wrestling wasn't really giving attention to guys like him who look like you know an average everyday person you know who just so happens to wrestle he um they were putting all their attention on guys that look like Brock Lesnar or guys who look like Bobby Lashley or guys who look like Drew McIntyre and that's sort of been the archetypical star um of wrestling for years you know that had been it for years right um so when you see somebody like CM Punk who comes in who looks like you know 
the guy that I believe one person said the guy who you're who you're who's afraid they're gonna steal your purse or you know or he just looks like this scraggly dude you know that you would see walking in a mall somewhere you don't you know see him as the star or as somebody you know who could get off with just their wrestling ability and their charisma alone and I believe that was ultimately WWE's problem with him is the fact that they did not necessarily know how to put him over as a star as a great as a great you know star who has all of the athleticism but none of the traditional looks and they would always they would give him you know title chances he had been a multiple time tag team champion with the likes of i believe kofi kingston and um evan born and stuff like that he would be a tag team champion, a United States champion, and like all these championships he would in. He even won the World Heavyweight Championship at some point. But somehow or another, he would always wind up getting screwed out of it in some way, shape, or form. And they would just never give him any perks, you know, as as the full-on World Heavyweight Champion or as, you know, a Money in a Bank winner and stuff like that. Like, even as a person who's cashed in, like, they just wouldn't put any gas behind him. And he would stay there, you know, and do all these programs and everything. But ultimately, he was feeling unhappy and he felt like, you know, there was more to him. There was more to him than what they were leading on. And so finally, he did his pipe bomb and he said everything he said to John Cena, who at the time was the guy. Um, And he was saying that he did not... It's not that he didn't like John Cena. He just didn't like the idea that they were putting him off as the best because CM Punk felt like he was the best and that he was the best ever since day one, you know, ever since he walked into that place. And he felt like um, he was the best at a lot of different things, not even just in wrestling, but also in cutting promos and even on commentary, Um, which is the truth, because there were a couple of times where he was on commentary and I enjoyed him you know, on commentary. So, I mean, God, like he was when in, in whatever position they put him in, he was always set to deliver, but he was never really given that much credit for it. And once he dropped that pipe bomb and talked so much about what goes on behind the scenes in terms of how he was treated and how, um, and how people behind the scenes like John Laurinaitis and Vince McMahon, you know, would run the company and how the company should be better, you know, after Vince McMahon, sadly enough, passes away. Um, but then he felt like it wasn't going to get better because it was only going to be taken over by Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. But he called them, you know, his doof, Vince McMahon's doofus son-in-law um, and his idiotic daughter and the rest of his stupid family. And... Then he also called out Ring of Honor and winning the title and running off and taking it to Ring of Honor, you know, and then broke the fourth wall and um, said hello to Colt Cabana. And him and Colt Cabana are no longer friends as far as I know, but they were really best friends at the time. And he called him out. And this was just unheard of in terms of television, um, in terms of wrestling television. And this caused like a tidal wave of fame that just you know followed him and more people were more and more interested in why he said these things and he started getting more attention and he wound up of course famously winning the wwe championship after signing that contract for that match against john cena at that money in the bank pay-per-view in a really great match he won that title even though vince tried to sort of screw him out of it in some type of weird way with the money in the bank thing situation with alberto del rio he hit Alberto De Rio in the head, ran off in the sh- into the Chicago crowd and blew a kiss at Vince McMahon and ran up the steps and put the WWE Championship in his refrigerator at his house and stayed gone for a while because we thought he wasn't going to come back. He actually did come back <laughs> and had an entire run. And of course, that wound up not going as well. And then... He wound up holding the title for over 400 days, which was kind of unheard of at the time. And he wound up losing the title to The Rock. Um, I believe it was at the Royal Rumble. And I remember this because me and my boyfriend had one of our biggest wrestling fights centered on this match because The Rock is one of my favorites, OG favorite wrestlers. And I wanted The Rock to win because I love The Rock. 
But see, but my boyfriend was all like, first of all, if The Rock is going to win this title, he's just going to take this title and go off to Hollywood and promote the company while doing his movie stuff. And CM Punk is going to be back in the same place he was. And nobody's going to pay attention to him and a whole lot of other stuff. And I didn't know at the time that my boyfriend had a very critical mind for the wrestling business, but he was right because he lost the title. The Rock left and then he came back at WrestleMania to face John Cena in Rock versus Cena 2 and John Cena wound up winning the title again. And this was where CM Punk had also mentioned, you know, in his pipe bomb that he wasn't featured you know, in the main event of WrestleMania, but somebody like Dwayne The Rock Johnson can come back and be put in the main event of WrestleMania um, as a part-timer, you know, just made him mad. And he had been throwing shade at The Rock ever since then. But I can't say that I really blame him now that I've gotten older and now I have more of a critical mind for the business because around the time CM Punk, you know, first came to um, prominence in wrestling, I was just a fan watching it for fun and I was just doing the whole kayfabe thing and I thought all of it was just kind of real and all that but now it's just he's right and he had a genuine gripe and then the last Wrestlemania he performed in was the one where he faced The Undertaker and where he was disrespecting Paul Heyman and his memory because Paul Heyman had passed away and he was trying to get in, get under the Undertaker's skin and and he threatened to be the one who was going to break the streak. But he wound up not breaking the streak. And that was the last WrestleMania we ever saw CM Punk at. And in 2014, he left the company because um, he finally left the company because not only were they shooting down his ideas for sponsorships, but letting Brock Lesnar do sponsorship stuff on his trunks and stuff. There was the idea that he had gotten sick and they had um, misdiagnosed, and one of the doctors had misdiagnosed him um, as if it was just something that he could just take a Z-pack for. But in actuality, it could have been a, it was a really deadly staph infection that had it not gotten removed, you know, thanks to AJ Lee, his wife saying something about it, it could have killed him. And he was just really unhappy with where his placement was in a company. And after he participated in the last Royal Rumble that he was in, he left and we never saw him again. Um, and he was released, sadly enough, on his wedding day to AJ Lee. And they sent him the papers and it just so happened to be on his wedding day. And even though a lot of people feel, you know, feel like they didn't do that on purpose, it's just... I mean, or that it was just a coincidence or something. It's just really weird how that happened. But I totally understand where CM Punk was coming from. It's just like he really was, you know, one of the best stars they had all around. And he brought lots of attention, you know, to the wrestling product or, you know, that a lot of people may not have paid attention to before at that time. And they never really gave him credit for it. They would always give somebody else credit. And once you get tired of being, you know, looked over so many times, you're just ready to go. And I'm and I completely understand that, even though I was disappointed and my boyfriend was disappointed because that's his favorite. Um, But we understood. And then he did his interview with Colt Cabana on the Art of Wrestling podcast and he basically revealed everything and went into why he left and stuff like that. And it was, and it, you know, blew up all over the internet. And after that point, you know, he would show up in different places like in UFC and start practicing doing MMA and stuff. And he made his MMA debut, his UFC debut. And he wound up, you know, having a losing streak. But I give him credit because at least he tried. You know, you can't ever, you know, blame anyone for trying Um, because there are people in life who say they want to do stuff and never do it. At least CM Punk has, you know, the fortitude to actually go forth and want to try something that he knows that he might be good at. And even if he fails at it, then at the very least, at least he tried. And he also, like I said before, has a had a um, little bit of a comic book career by co-writing for different comic books like Thor and stuff like that for Marvel. Um, 
And then he had, you know, two, a couple of horror movies. And one of them I actually watched a couple of weekends ago called A Girl on the Third Floor. Um, if you like really crazy horror movies, I definitely recommend that. It's on Netflix. Um, so we saw him, you know, out and about. And then he was also on WWE Backstage, which was on Fox, even though it was short-lived. That was a really good show. And he was sort of brought on to sort of talk about, you know, how he felt about wrestling. And a lot of people were really excited about that um, because he was able to sort of talk about where, what his opinions were about where WWE is headed and where it's going, you know, for the future. But then that show got canceled, sadly enough. Um, and no one really saw him anymore. So... For a while, no one knew what he had going on, you know, until around this year, at the beginning of this year, where everyone, well, not at the beginning of this year, but sort of like sort of towards like in the middle of the summer, everybody started talking about him possibly going to AEW to wrestle. And there were rumblings and rumblings and nobody had ever heard, you know, nobody, nothing was ever confirmed until he showed up <laughs> and now he's here on AEW, and he's going to show up, you know, on Wednesdays and Fridays. And he wants to fight, you know, the newer guys who have all this passion and stuff and help put those people over. And he challenged Darby Allen to a match at, um, at, um, all in, which takes place on Sunday, September the 5th, which is the weekend of my birthday. Ha ha um in Chicago so you know that crowd is gonna go crazy for him and stuff like that so I personally am so happy that CM Punk is back and I feel like this is the best most refreshing thing um I feel like next to um Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks's match in WrestleMania and also Bad Bunny's tag team match with um Damian Priest at WrestleMania. That was one of the most refreshing things I saw this year. Um, and I'm so happy that CM Punk took the time to heal himself, you know, inwardly in terms of his emotions and his body and all of the above and took time to live his life with AJ and stuff like that and do th other things that he loved before he was able to come back to wrestling, you know, with a clear state of mind because sometimes you have to take some time away from the thing that you spent so much time doing in order for you to truly appreciate you know what life has to offer and then if it's meant for you to go back to that thing you go back to it with a refreshed mindset and I'm just so glad that he was able to do that for himself and live his life um and do things that he loved to do and you know have a healthy mindset and now he's back in wrestling and he actually wants to be there from what it seems like and I'm really glad for him. I'm really happy that he was able to have that moment, you know, with his Chicago people and all those people were yelling for him, you know, even Phil Lindsay, who I had on the show um, a couple months back, you know, during this season of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast, he was in the pre in their presence, too. And I was really happy for him because he was able to experience that, you know, face to face. Like, that's really cool. Um, I remember calling my boyfriend and asking him, are you watching this? CM Punk is on TV. He was like, yeah, I was watching it on my phone. And I had to hang up because um, that's his moment. And he was just really happy. And then everybody was so happy. They were trying to buy CM Punk's new shirt and they wound up crashing ProWrestlingTees.com. And now they're having to fix the whole system in order for everybody to get the shirts and stuff because everybody's so crunk and so happy. So all in all, I feel like that's the best thing that's happened, you know, in wrestling, you know, this this past weekend. Um, and of course, I'm going to go into everything else that happened last weekend in wrestling with SummerSlam and all that. But CM Punk returning to wrestling is definitely a good thing. And I'm so happy to see him back. And I can't wait to see what the future holds for him. And yeah, it's just really good stuff. Seeing Phil back in wrestling is amazing. Um, he's back and it's great. Our voice of the voiceless has returned. Yeah.
right. So in light of talking about the best thing that happened in wrestling this weekend and this past weekend in terms of CM Punk's return and also me commentating for the Belladonna Division Genesis 2. That was another great thing that happened last weekend in wrestling. Um, I have to talk about the things that happened in wrestling that upset me. Um, SummerSlam was going on and I wasn't watching it, of course, because I was working the Belladonna show as a commentator. But I kept getting all kinds of notifications on my phone as I was using it for light and using it for, you know, keeping up with things. And, um... Seeing that Bianca Belair, um, someone who's been booked to look so very strong for like the past since April and even before April, like around March, February, March, April and all of this up until now, seeing her lose and finding out that she lost at SummerSlam to a returning Becky Lynch was something that just put a sour taste in my mouth. Um... So, and then I saw how it happened on Twitter once I got home and I was just like, excuse me. Um, Bianca Belair has had one of the strongest runs of an NXT call up that I have seen in a pretty long time. She came up to the main roster just last year. And she was put on Raw and she had a feud with Zelina Vega and then she went back to a main event. And we saw her on TV, you know, every once in a while in the tag team matches with tag team matches with various women and stuff like that. And a lot of us, a lot of people, you know, in the fandom were worried that maybe they they were burying her, not treating her, you know, like the star that she we knew she could be. And those worries are pretty valid because sometimes when it comes to the main roster they it's really hard for them to get stuff right in terms of certain NXT call-ups but she started to gain more traction the closer it got to the new year and she was um destined to win the Royal Rumble that was her determination um, she won the Royal Rumble in, you know, a fabulous fashion. She came in at number three and wound up winning the whole thing and eliminating Rhea Ripley. And I thought it was very telling um, that her and Rhea Ripley were the two left in that because um, before it was the two of them left in that match. It was her, it was her, Rhea and Charlotte. And I thought it was amazing storytelling because if you remember um, leading up to NXT TakeOver Portland, um, in 2019 Bianca was set to fight Rhea Ripley as the NXT Women's Champion and she wound up losing and then she was sort of knocked out of that title picture by Charlotte and treated as if she wasn't important anymore and then she went on to go up to the main roster and stuff you know Charlotte was sort of looking at Bianca Belair as if she was you know a nothing you know just a just a road bump towards the NXT Women's Championship and then the pandemic happened and Charlotte, okay, so that was in 2019. So Charlotte wanted to face, that was last year, um, Charlotte wanted to face Rhea Ripley once she won the Royal Rumble that year. And Bianca just didn't really have anything at that point. But in this year's Royal Rumble, it was those three that were the last three left, but Rhea and Bianca worked together to eliminate Charlotte, so she was out of the match, and then it was Rhea and Bianca left, and Bianca wound up eliminating Rhea. She won the Royal Rumble match, and she had her choice of who to face. She chose to face Sasha Banks. Those two became the first two black women to ever main event at WrestleMania. Bianca Belair won that stellar match. Um, she feuded with the likes of Carmella and Bayley, um, over that title but basically she wound up winning and beating everyone she also became the first non-four horse woman to participate in the hell in a cell match and actually win a hell in a cell match as well against bailey and bailey got injured because they were supposed to face each other at money in the bank but bailey got injured she's out for months at a time and we wish her a speedy recovery but she wound up having to face Carmella and wound up beating Carmella multiple times, including in front of a um, in front of a sold out crowd at Rolling Loud Festival. And she just had a really strong reign after that point. 
And her and Sasha were destined to fight each other again at SummerSlam this year. But something questionable happened after their contract signing segment that they had on SmackDown a couple weeks ago. And then we didn't see Sasha anymore. And But they were still advertising the match as if it was supposed to happen. No one knows where Sasha Banks is or was at that point. We don't know what's going on with her. I hope she's okay. But Jesus Christ, like... They were advertising that this match was supposed to happen. But SummerSlam was happening and Carmella came out, you know, to sort of get the crowd riled up and everything. But then Becky Lynch's music hits and she storms down the aisle and Becky Lynch and and Bianca is looking like, okay, I'm getting ready to fight her. But as they were getting ready to fight each other, Becky Lynch holds her hand out to shake Bianca's hand and... Bianca takes it but then she and then Becky Lynch gave her a slam that she that I had never really seen her use before I don't know and then she winds up winning the match in like 20 seconds that's literally how the match ended Bianca Belair who we saw beat two different women beat Zelina Vega whom she's beat multiple times before and beat Carmella who she's beaten multiple times before on SmackDown the night before SummerSlam lost to Becky Lynch in under 20 seconds with a slam. Not even a disarmor, but a slam. Excuse me? I was absolutely disappointed in that. And I'm sure Bianca Belair, the way that she was playing it off with her face, she was upset and a lot of people in the audience were sort of looking like, what the F just happened? Um, and a lot of the fans were happy that she had returned, of course, because that was a huge pop or whatever. But having Becky go over Bianca, who had looked that strong over the past couple of months, only to lose to someone who had been out due to maternity leave, it just makes no sense to me. I hate it. I don't like it. And I hope Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch make up for it with a really good feud because watching someone who was looking that strong lose to somebody like that just made no sense at all it was an insult of epic proportions and they need to make up for it real quick or otherwise they just like they'll probably lose a couple of viewers that way because you have Bianca Belair who has every piece of star power there and you just snatched the rug out from under her you know in her title reign all to put over Becky Lynch who hasn't been there in over 18 in over 12 months due to her you know having her baby and also getting married to Seth Rollins which is great and cute and love prevails and all that other stuff but why like did they do that for the shock value or are they just doing it to you know call in somebody who they know could give them a really great pop to rival CM Punk's that happened the night before on AEW like what were they doing that for and if they wanted to do it they could have honestly waited until Brock Lesnar came out and faced off with Roman Reigns and not sacrifice Bianca all for the sake of a pop your new star for the sake of a pop and for the sake of putting over somebody who doesn't need a title and also I'm going to paint the picture another way in the in another women's match a women's championship match for raw you had charlotte flair versus rhea ripley versus nikki ash <sighs> nikki should not have lost the title that quick and the reason why i feel like she should not have lost it that quick is because she cashed in money in the bank on charlotte flair she wanted fair and square and she's been able to put herself over with a character that she created by herself no matter how goofy or ridiculous you think it may look you also have to understand wwe is the same company that put over the hurricane and put over mighty molly when when molly holly was a superhero and all of that you have to understand that this happens even owen hart god rest his soul was dressed up like a superhero and they were trying to make that work nikki ash was making her superhero gimmick work and kids were resonating with it a bit and all of the above and it really could have worked out she did the work 
and worked her butt off to qualify for a singles title. She had only been a tag team champion with Alexa Bliss. She had never had a singles title before. She's had a chance to win the title, but she's never won. And she actually won this time. And instead of putting the gas behind her and making more of a new star after that point with her, and then also using some more of that gas to to put behind Rhea Ripley when she was Raw Women's Champion and she beat Asuka at WrestleMania, it's just a big mistake. And to give it to Charlotte, who doesn't need a title at all, if she never won the Raw or SmackDown Women's title ever again, she would be fine. Her legacy would be solidified. But you decide to put the title back on her for what? Why? Like that just disappoint that disappoints me. Because not only it's like you not only have you undermined your new talent and you refuse to put over your new talent and not even just your new talent, but the talent that's actually worked hard to get to the forefront to where they're at. It's like you're looking over them in order to put over two horsewomen who don't need titles at this point. Becky doesn't need a title to be over and neither does Charlotte Flair need a title to be over. They don't. Even though a lot of people will probably argue that Charlotte needs a title to be over because I've heard that said before. But at this rate, for somebody who's won a title 14 times and for Becky, who has won the SmackDown Women's title and the Raw Women's title and actually held them both at the same time, she doesn't need, they don't need those titles. Rhea could have kept that title and Bianca could have kept that title. It's like... And even this weekend with NXT TakeOver 36 with Raquel Gonzalez having to face Dakota Kai, they showed that picture and it broke my heart. They showed that picture of Raquel, Rhea, and Bianca holding their titles as NXT, you know, graduates or whatever. And they were holding each of the titles that they won during that WrestleMania weekend. And it broke my heart because Raquel is literally the only one left out of that picture who has a title. You have the future in your hands and you squash it for the horsewomen. I don't know what type of hold the horsewomen privilege has on WWE, but they really need to let that go because what's going to happen when you don't have the horsewomen? When you can't depend on them, you're going to just depend on the new girls only for them to just throw the titles back at them. And as much as I love the four horsewomen, I love everything they have done to make Res women's wrestling in WWE relevant and great again. As much as I appreciate and love Sasha, Bailey, Becky, and Charlotte, they don't need titles anymore to be over. They don't need them. People like Bianca, Rhea, and Nikki could use that bump up. And the fact that they have basically knocked them down, you know to mean absolutely well not to mean absolutely nothing because the value of an athlete is never truly on the title like the athlete puts the value in the title but at the same time it just makes them look like they just didn't care and just gave up on them and just put it on what um and just put on their comfort blanket and that bothers me this is why people say you have an inability to evolve and an inability an inability to listen to your fans because you have done nothing but regress backwards. And that disappoints me to no end. They need to fix it and actually start believing in the new stars that they claim they want to create. You keep claiming your the WWE president, Nick Khan, wants to talk about how they want to create new stars from within and all that other stuff. Trust the new stars. Give them the chance. Stop just throwing these titles and these opportunities on the regular people who we've seen at the top for the past seven years. Stop it. Make the stars out of the new people you have, or otherwise you're just going to lose another fan base that you could have. If you keep just going back and forth to the same old stuff, Bianca should still be champion right now. And I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how overrated somebody says that they feel like, you know, she is or they feel like she hasn't paid her dues. That woman has paid her dues. She should still be champion right now. And that's just the way I see it. Now, um, another thing that I do need to talk about um, in terms of what I enjoyed this weekend was NXT TakeOver. 
Um, Raquel and Dakota Kai actually had an amazing women's match for the NXT women's title. Um, Dakota surprised me with her ability to actually, you know, know Raquel and actually take down Raquel a couple of times. Like it was a couple of times where I thought real Dakota was going to win, but Raquel was just too powerful and she wound up winning the entire match. But, um, it's looking like Kaylee Ray, um, made her debut on NXT and now she might want to go for the NXT women's title. And I'm not mad about that. Um, she was the longest reigning NXT UK women's champion before she got beat by Mako Satamura. Her and Mako had two really stellar matches. Um, I definitely recommend you go watch that on NXT UK. Um, so I'm really interested in seeing what she's going to do, you know, on the NXT roster. But Dakota versus Raquel was really good. And I wouldn't be mad if they fought each other maybe again. Um, so yeah, that was really great. And... Samoa Joe is NXT champ again for the third time. He's the only three-time NXT champion. He beat Karrion Cross, so I'm now assuming that Karrion is going to be on Raw more often now. And he's still without Scarlet. I don't know where Scarlet is at this point. I don't know if she's if if they're trading them separately so she can be a wrestler on her own or what. But I just can't help but feel like Karrion Cross has something missing without Scarlet there. Like, there was just a certain je ne sais quoi that they both had together in terms of darkness. And now that's gone. And it's just, and now Karrion's just this big threatening dude who's now dressed up like a knight. And a lot of people didn't like that from Monday Night Raw. I didn't watch Monday Night Raw all the way through because I was really tired from this past weekend. So I needed some rest. But, oh my God, like, everybody's mad. They feel like he's ruined and all of the above. But we have to just wait and see. But, yeah, um... Then Walter versus Ilya Dragunov for the NXT um, UK Championship was a fantastic match. Um, I feel like their first one was better, but their second one was pretty good too. And now Ilya Dragunov is the UK champion now. And Walter had probably one of the longest and greatest title reigns um, in modern history. Like he was champion for over 800 days. That's like some Bruno San Martino type stuff, right? So, um, that's great for Walter, but I'm wondering what's next for him. You know, if he's, he's he going to be brought up to the main roster? I don't know. Or is he going to go after Ilya Dragunov again? Uh, I don't know. But Ilya Dragunov, he's, he's a tough, he's a very tough man. He's very tough. And to see all the hits that he had to take, all the slaps and the smacking and the submission work, oh my God. Like, if you are a fan of British strong style wrestling and just, you know, great mat combat type, like, watch that match. You're going to enjoy it. Like, it was absolutely fantastic. I recommend it. And then I also love that Cameron Grimes finally beat LA Knight to become the million dollar champion and had Ted DiBiase in his corner. And Ted DiBiase basically, you know, gave him the assist by choking LA Knight out. <laughs> and putting him back in the ring you know and then Cameron wound up winning and he dedicated it to his dad I think and it was just great to see him have that moment you know with Ted and have Ted um put him over even on Tuesday and stuff like that you know like that was just really really good and I'm really proud of Cameron Grimes because he's a fantastic wrestler once you get past the fact that he's a hairy goofball so <laughs> and also and as always shout out to Josiah Williams for doing his theme song um we love him on the hardy wrestling podcast and i'm so happy that we were able to have him so um that's pretty much all i have to say about wrestling this past weekend um wwe just needs to do better by their newer stars and hopefully you know they can start that um and just start believing in their newer stars more and NXT is pretty okay now, except for the fact that we don't know if Adam Cole, we don't know what Adam Cole is doing. We don't know if he's going or if he's staying with WWE. We don't know if he's going to AEW. Like, good God, what's going on? I want Adam Cole to stay so he can at least go to SmackDown and, you know, or maybe even go to Raw and add like some new blood there. But hey, whatever. So yeah, that's pretty much all the stuff that I enjoyed and didn't like from wrestling this past weekend. Okay, so 
this is my 70th episode. Um, I am absolutely proud to have gotten to this point. I'm really grateful to have gotten to this point um, to where I have this platform that I just sort of created out of sheer love and appreciation for wrestling and just wanting to talk about the things that I love and enjoy about it. And along the way and over the course of these 70th epi- 70 episodes, I've grown more and more. I have heard so many stories about wrestling, learned so many new things. And a lot of doors have just, you know, flung open from me doing this. And I am so grateful to my higher power for it. And I'm really grateful to all of you for supporting my show, wherever you may be listening from. I found out a couple days ago that people listen to me. I found out months ago that a couple of people may listen to me in the UK. Um, And I found out maybe a few days ago that I have listeners in France because somehow or another I'm ranked in France. Um, And people and I have a small percentage of people who also listen to me in Ireland, too. So if you're from another place, thank you for listening to me um, to live for for listening to this U.S. um, American Alabamian girl talk about wrestling and wax poetic about the stuff that I like and you know, don't like and have all these interviews with these amazing people. Like I've count myself really blessed to have talked to the people that I have talked to. I find that little by little more and more that the fourth wall um, between me and wrestling is just no longer existing. Like the fourth wall is just broken now. And I never thought that something like that could happen to me because I had another plan for my life. Like I wanted to do something else (laughs) completely different. Like if you listen to the Shalance Royal interview that I had, we were talking about our similarities and how we wanted, you know, careers in music and stuff because we went to school for music. Um, And I wanted to sing and stuff, but that wound up not working out as well. But I didn't think that this part of my voice in terms of me talking would actually hold people's attention enough to where, you know, they wanted to listen to me on the regular. And if you've stuck with me from the beginning all the way up until this point, I thank you so much. Or if you're new, you know, and you're just discovering me, thank you so much. And I hope that I can continue to create great content and post good things for you to listen to and just continue to, you know, grow and be positive and offer a new, you know, perspective on things and speak for people who feel like, you know, they're not being heard and stuff. Like, I hope I can continue to do that, you know, as myself and do it as genuinely as I possibly can. So I'm just really grateful. I'm, I'm just really grateful for the support I've gotten. I'm thankful to everyone who supported me, even when I had, you know, a makeshift logo and now with my really cool logo that got made by Clement Wong thank you um for everyone who was with me before I had a theme song and now that I do have a theme song thanks to Josiah Williams aka Russell and Flo like everybody who's ever supported me up until this point people I go to church with people in my family um friends of mine you know from high school and college and stuff and even professors of mine from college you know If you support the podcast in any way, shape or form, thank you. Like, thank y'all because y'all don't have to listen to this because I know some of y'all, you know, have never watched wrestling before or you used to and you just fell off from it or whatever. But you listen to me talk about it and that makes me feel really good inside. So I thank you all so much for supporting the Hardy Wrestling Podcast and supporting me, Stephanie um, Hardy, in my growth as a host slash content creator slash commentator slash co-host and stuff. So of course you can always follow. You can always follow me um, on Instagram at Queen Steph Hardy and follow me on Twitter at Queen Steph Hardy. And you can also follow um, the podcast pages as well. Um, on Instagram is at Hardy Wrestling Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Hardy WrestlePod. If you hear anything, you know, or see a clip of mine that I've posted, and if you hear something that you really, really like, please like, share, and subscribe. Um, 
I have a YouTube channel. You can listen to this podcast everywhere on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. You know, everywhere you get podcasts, you can listen to me. Um, I have a YouTube channel. Please go and support that and subscribe to that. I'm at 51 subscribers, I think, last time I looked. So please um, beef that up. And I'm also thinking about starting a little bit more of a um, channel or like a playlist of me practicing commentary and calling it HWP The Commentary Chronicles. So tell me if you feel like that's a good idea, because I do want to practice doing commentary more because um, if I can, you know, ride this thing on out and continue to be, you know, a voice for the Belladonna division and, you know, continue to train up and practice more, I could possibly be a commentator down the road for a mainstream show. You never know. Um, like, I would love it if it was meant for me to become the first black female, you know, wrestling commentator. Like, that would be fantastic, you know, at WWE or Impact or something or AEW or whatever. That would be awesome. So, you know, just tell me, you know, any ideas that you feel like, you know, I should do in order to help grow the brand more or help me grow more and stuff. Um, There won't be a new episode this weekend or actually it probably won't be one next weekend either because this weekend I'll be in St. Louis for NWA Empower, which is um, NWA's first all-female pay-per-view that they're having is being executive produced by Mickey James. Um, and has the likes of Jazz, Gail Kim, and Medusa working behind the scenes with her. Um, I'm going to be there in St. Louis for that and also for NWA 73 that Sunday. They're going to show those on Fight TV. Um, please watch that. And also, um, please check out Women's Wrestling Talk on Fight TV every other Wednesday. Um, my my episode with TK Trinidad and Eva Lee's um, just premiered, so please go back and watch that. And also watch the first episode we had premiered with Mickey James and Ella um, and TK as well. And also go on the BelladonnaDivision.com and watch Genesis One and prepare to watch Genesis Two, um, and continue to support you know women's wrestling in the South, you know here in Alabama. Um, and just continue to support women's wrestling everywhere, you know, wherever you're at. Support your indie, support your indie women shows and just support your local indie period, too. So um, with that in mind, I'm really grateful for where I'm at. And I'm hoping that I can continue to be a strong and impactful voice to, you know, for you guys and just continue to grow. So with that in mind, I thank you guys so much for supporting the Hardy Wrestling Podcast for 70 episodes. And hopefully, here's to 70 more. This is your girl, Stephanie Hardy. And until next time, bye, y'all.